We're back once again for the 260th installment of the Parish of the Patriots, and this is a special show. We're doing something unique today's show, not just because it's the 260th, the one and only 260th installment of the Parish of the Patriots that ever has or ever will be. I'm doing something different. I normally have this show recorded. I, I, I like to record it over the weekend, be it Saturday or Sunday, and have it all prepped up and ready to go. I'm actually recording today's show today on Tuesday. It's <laughs> getting done on Tuesday is just due to circumstances. I, I've had a lot going on, so here we are kind of the last minute. Hopefully it doesn't sound last minute. <laughs> it sounds like something you threw together at the last minute. We go, you didn't even have to tell us, Dan. We know what's going on. <laughs> Last minute, throwing it together. We're getting it done. We're getting it up. I actually have plenty of time. I'm not rushing around. There is no rush. But yeah, it is. It's, it's very unique that I'm actually recording it on the day that it's going uh, going to air. I, I generally do that with the Daily Nationalist shows, uh, but unique for the Parish of the Patriots. Anyway, I'm glad you're here. Uh, most of you, I'm sure, are returning members of the congregation. There must be something to it if you keep coming back for more. Or maybe you're just masochists and just like... <laughs> Like the torment of listening to me drone on and on, but uh, yeah, I, I am glad you're here, whatever the case may be. If you are a new listener checking us out for the first time, I hope new people get to come in and check the show out uh, for the first time. We do have a Christian-specific segment. The sermon, if you would, that's roughly the halfway mark of the show, very roughly sometimes, but roughly the halfway point of the show. Don't tune it out. Tune it in. Listen at least once. I think you'll get something out of it. It's a fun discussion. You're going to be, I, I understand you know, when you when you when you know how the MCC is and whatnot, you know, I understand that when you hear Christian segment sermon, it's like I ain't listening to that. I, I get it. I get the whole turn off. I see ads on TV for these super churches, you know, and and, and it's like you know, please join us for Easter Church, and and it shows the people up there in the smoke going off, and they're up there in the jeans playing the rock band music, and be sure and come in. We're gonna have a great time. We're gonna tell you all about how Jesus is hip and cool, and it's just a cringe, you know. It's like I ain't going to that shit. I understand the feeling. That isn't what you get here at Le Parish de la Patriots, a little French lingo for you. But if you do get something out of the show, I do ask you to drop something in the plate. I do pass it off and play it around. Don't be shy. Pay those ties. We got snail mail, which is the ultimate, the ultimate privacy coin. <laughs> the ultimate privacy coin is snail mail. So it's there. It's here. Look on the description page. I don't ask you to read the description of the show. You're going to listen to the show anyway. You don't need to read ahead. See what the show's going to be about. You know what the show's going to be about. It's going to be about me rambling on and y'all hopefully finding it some, hopefully finding this whole thing somewhat entertaining. You know, that's, that's the whole point. And just informative. A lot of stuff we talk about is stuff you already know about. Idea is to also be entertaining. We do look to have fun. Even the Christian specifics. I want y'all to listen to that and have some fun with it and understand and maybe grow a little. Anyway, that is for the Christian people. But I think even non-believers get something out of it. But yeah, anyway, look on the description page. See, we got the address there. Got the email address there. You can drop notes in there, too, if you want to. And speaking of which, let's do the listener support of mailbag. Don't worry, it won't take long. Grand Junction, uh, I wanted to let you know, it did get here. Thank you, Grand Junction. Very much appreciated. No note in there. So I just wanted you to know, because people do. People be like, man, I dropped something in the mail. Did you ever get it? You got to give me a hint here, too. Sometimes people be like, did you get back when I had the cryptocurrency up, which may or may not come back in the future right now. It's it's, it's not there, but I'd have cryptocurrency, you know, and and people would be like, you know, I, I dropped you. I dropped you a little coin two weeks ago. Did you get there? I don't know. It doesn't tell me who it's from. You dropped me. A, if you you, know, you got to drop me an email when you send it. Did I do it right? <laughs> Good cryptocurrency, you know. Older people, it's something new. And older, older people are like, I, I tried to send you some of that new fangled Bitcoin stuff. Did you get it? I want to make sure I did it right. You put in the right address and hit send and it says it's gone. Then, yeah, I probably got it. But you see, you're at the advantage with the ultimate privacy coin, a.k.a. snail mail. Because you know how to fill out an envelope. You know how to fill out an envelope. If you're a younger person, you might have to ask your mom and daddy, your grandpa, how do I fill out an envelope? Don't be shy. <laughs> oh, what do we got here? GPD. <laughs> if 
filling out an envelope. See, as older people, we fill out an envelope in cursive and send secret messages back and forth to one another. That's a secret plan. We just use cursive writing. GPD had to, uh, glad to report that Mossad has still not ziplined into my window, Mr. T. Glad you've not been zipped. I have decided to make that a term, you know, because people talk about getting swatted. You, know, you get swatted. Glad you've not been swatted. Glad you've not been zipped. Sitting there enjoying supper. Maybe having a cookout or something. And then zip. Masad is ziplining <laughs> zip in to your place. Ziplining into your property. We know you, <laughs> you listening to that crazy show on Radio Albion. How dare you? How can you do such a thing? It's obviously something wrong with you. I don't know. Hey, good news. And they, by the way, this gets us through the listener supporter mailbag, which is going to keep on rocking. The good news of that is the chance of you being zipped, I think, has gone down exponentially. You see, because years ago, there were only a few people online saying things that could be offensive to the zippers. Oh, a new term, the zippers. This could be, I see these things just come naturally to me. It looks easy, but it's more difficult. Actually, it's not that difficult. Things a few years ago, there were only there there were there were relatively few people who were saying things that the zippers didn't like. But see, the good thing now is there's a lot more people noticing speaking out against the zipping, and as a result, you know, I mean, the zippers do not have unlimited resources, so you know. They, they kind of created a, a huge problem. There's too many people to get zipped. There's <laughs> too many people to get zipped because everybody's starting to complain, you know, with this whole Palestine thing. Mossad can only be in so many places at once. They got bigger fish to fry. Lots of people complaining about the zipping of the Palestinians in the Gaza Strip and things such as that. So that's good news. That's good news. Being anti-zippic is going to be <laughs> going to be categorized as a new hate crime. Anti-zippic. Don't be an anti-zippike. Zip. Don't be. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm beating that one. I'm beating that joke to death. Because I think it's funny. Anyway, time to let it go. Time to let it go. So, yeah, as I said, I'm recording this show on the day up. On the day, which is a unique thing. And, um, which I mean, because it works out for me recording, uh, on the weekends because this isn't like the daily nationals, the daily nationals is kind of a news to what's supposed to be in Sven's absence. I've kind of butchered the format. <laughs> Sven's going to get out. He's going to be like, what have you been doing? Oh my goodness. Gwen Paul, what have you been doing to the daily nationalists? This is not what the daily nationalist is supposed to be. And I'm just going to be like, and I'm sorry, friend. Yeah, I did unsupervised. I just do what I do. But the Daily Nationalist is supposed to be like, you know, a current news events sort of format. And this show is not. So it, it, it works out fine. But again, today I'm doing it the day of. I read a story this morning. You know, I love how the media, I love how the media keeps re reporting on what Biden does as gaffes, you know, which implies that he's actually all there mentally. He just keeps making these gaffes, you know, a gaffe. Oh, he just he just misspoke. He's he's a very how do they put it? The gaff poem president. Even the Russian media, in like RT, they do this. The president, uh, President Biden, tends to be gaff prone. A gaff. I mean, come on now. I was thinking this morning because he came out and uh, confused. He, he thought uh, uh, Chairman Z was the president of Russia there for a minute. And then he forgot who Obama was. He couldn't remember his name. He's not gaffes. Anybody that has dealt with the very old people who who have dementia, you know, they understand. I mean, this is just par for the course. It's not gaffes. He didn't know where he is. <laughs> I was contemplating this morning reading that. I, I was thinking, you know, it's getting so ridiculous when they keep rolling Biden out here and he can't string two sentences together at this point. And yeah, I was thinking, yeah, maybe it's supposed to be ridiculous. You know, maybe, maybe the whole thing is just supposed to be as ridiculous as possible. So kind of like the narrative with the whole Corona thing, you know, it got more and more absurd 
You know, first it was wear a mask. Then it was wear two masks, three masks, and then the face shield. Hazmat suit. It kept getting more and more absurd. I always laugh whenever I see the remnants of the COVID stuff still floating around. Like you'll go into a store and they still have the stickers on the floor. Stand here. Remember that? The plexiglass window, you know, that you're still reaching through the hole like the germs can't go over the top. <laughs> they got going to go over the top, blocking the doom virus. Maybe it's supposed to be absurd. It is most definitely, though. It is most definitely absurd. Speaking of absurd, one of those absurd things, because I read all sorts of stuff. You know, I do. I read people all over the spectrum. And 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 one of the more absurd things I, I will read, you know, people be writing an article about the Great Reset or something, you know, and 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 they will say, you know, for them to achieve for the globalists, the globalists. That's a more polite way of saying zipping the zippers. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going back to rehash that joke some more. Uh, but they'll say, you know, one of the you know for the globalists, they look at this absurdity. And they say, for the globalists to achieve their great reset agenda, they have to destroy America because America is the only thing standing in their way. That's one of the most absurd things I'll read, you know. America is the only. That's why they're destroying America. They're destroying America because America is the one thing standing in the way of the great reset. America is the great reset. I mean, really, how, how daft do you have to be? Like, literally, without America, without the U.S., there is no Great Reset. Russia and China have no interest in the Great Reset. We are headed for a Great Reset. I'm talking about the Great Reset because there is going to be a reset. We're undergoing a reset in the global order right now. The fourth turning, as you've heard it. We're going through a reset, but we're talking about the great reset, the world economic form. You'll own nothing, eat a bug and live in a in a I don't know, in a broom closet and drive your electric scooter in your 15 minute city. The great reset. This idea that America is the one thing standing in the way of the great reset agenda. America is the great reset agenda. They're not destroying America so they can get their great reset. America is the great reset. <laughs> I don't know. You tend to hear this in, in older people. You know, this denial, like, you know, they, they just want to believe. They don't want to believe that America is as evil as it is. Now, I, I do. And I, and I, I mean, look, I can understand that. I'm not exactly, you know, a young person myself. I get that. You know, I get that that need to have like this sentimental version. People talk about the America we grew up knowing and loving. And while I will be the first to say as a Gen Xer, you know, the America I grew up in. Yeah, it was a lot less shitty than it is today. But I mean, let's not put our rose colored glasses on either. It's just that now we've kind of hit this whole critical mass thing, you know. But I do, I get this need to try to find some sort of sentimental aspect, you know. America is the one thing stand. No, America really is the great reset. Once America goes away in its current form, the great reset will go away. There is no great reset without the hegemon, without the U.S. empire. I mean, there, there just isn't. I mean, they can wet dream about it all they want to, but it isn't going to happen. Talking about Biden. Talk, we're kind of circling back to Biden being completely senile, and there's no way he's making any of these decisions. I mean, he's probably still signing papers, but I mean, I think it's a pretty reasonable conclusion to come through to come to 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 imagine that people just bring him the papers and say, "Sign here, Mr. President. Sign this. Sign this. Sign this," and he just does, and then goes back to watching Matlock. <laughs> you know, I said this before, but you know, go in if you can walk in today. If you just somehow could magically just walk into the Oval Office today at the right time, I just guarantee you'd be walking in there. There ain't nobody in there. Biden's over there sitting in his recliner or sitting in a comfy chair. And the TV's on. And he's watching Matlock or, or something, you know. And all the ads are the same ads, you know, on those, on those channels that are tailor-made for old people. Are you over 65? Are you on Medicare? 
All of it, that's what's going on. Because it's crazy. And who's making the decision? I mean, somebody has, there has to still be, I mean, yeah, I know you, you wind up with a situation where you've got all these different departments and they wind up kind of competing and they're, they're kind of doing their own thing. But there still has to be somebody that people are running stuff by. I have no way to know who that one person is, but I do find this curious. Here's a curious observation for you. You go back, if you go back and look at every previous president, you know who their chief of staff is, you know? Their chief of staff is very prominent. Their chief of staff is in front of the press making announcements and, and telling you what the president's policy is on this and going out on news shows and explaining the president's policies and and he's he's doing press conference when the president has made an announcement and, and the media wants to know something. And the chief of staff is front and center and you can go back and you can remember who the chief of staff was for all of these presidents. Who's Obama's, I mean, who's Obama, who's Biden's chief of staff? Where is he? Notice that you never see this guy. Take a look. I think it's a good guess who may be making a lot of these. I don't know. It's a guess. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to keep it up and get zipped. That is just, you could get zipped if you notice. It is, uh, yeah, I mean, somebody has to be making decisions and there's somebody, there has to be somebody that people run these ideas by. I mean, there just does. Somebody is basically running things more or less in the White House. I do find it curious that his chief of staff, and most people don't even know who this guy is. It's like absent, AWOL. No, no, you know, you don't tell it. We know that old daughter and fool ain't making no decisions. Besides, you know... <laughs> Well, okay, what's wrong? You know, the, Biden hits the red panic button. You know, they probably had to disconnect the red panic button because like Secret Service is out there, you know, and they got the red panic button in the Oval Office just in case something happened. If terrorists come zipping in through the window or something and the president says he hits the panic button and the Secret Service bust in with their guns and stuff, they, had, they probably had to disconnect Biden's panic button. Because Secret Service got tired of that panic button going off. And they're like, it's a red. We got a red. Code red in the Oval Office. And they run. They kick the door in. They got their guns drawn. They go running with somebody looking to be the body meat shield for the president. Who do I jump in front of? They bust in there. Mr. President, what's the emergency? And he's standing there like, I can't get this remote to work. Like, I can't get the channel to change. I'm hitting this button and nothing's changed. We've got a code red. We got a panic button in the Oval Office. Bust in there. I can't make this phone work. Can you tell me how to make this phone work? Had to disconnect it. People got tired of red alert, being not being able to change, not being able to change the channel. Trying to watch Matlock funny but it's probably more truth there's more probably more truth to that probably more truth to that than what we what would appear you know more truth than what you would think i don't know it's as funny as how many people talking about people when uh, how many people go around though and act like all this shit's real you know the media too trying to keep people checked in it kind of i kind of touched on some of this on yesterday's uh daily nationalist but you know the media tries to keep people believing in the system you know Nikki Haley, she's the lone contender left running against Donald Trump for the Republican primary. Of course, it's a money scam. She's just grubbing money. Nobody wants this bitch. It's clear. Ain't nobody interested in no damn Nikki Haley. And this bitch has a nerve to stand up there talking on the, on the, on the, to the media, talking about you know how, how all Donald Trump cares about is himself, which, I mean, that may be true. But why are you still in there? Why are you still hanging around? You know? She like she like a spurned over the hill girlfriend that just can't get over it, you know? She's she's like <laughs> she's like a political pump and dump. And 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 she, and she got her one shot there. She got to be governor and then a little stint as a horrible ambassador. But now she just keeps calling Chad up, you know? She's like stalking the American people. The American people, you know, she, she got her little stint as governor. That's it. That's as high as she was going. Ain't nobody wants she over the hill. But she she can't give it up. 
She's still calling up the American people like, I really keep thinking about our time. I'm holding my hand up like a phone. Like y'all could see that. I, I, I can't stop thinking about our time together. I had so much fun with you. It was the most amazing time of my life. And I want to do more. I want to have more amazing times with you. You know, I'll never forget our night together in South Carolina. It was amazing. Please return my call. <laughs> the American people are tired of Nikki Haley leaving stalker bitch voicemails on their phone. Hi, it's me again. It's Nikki. I just, I just wanted to let you know I'm still thinking about you. I think, I think we had something really, really special. And I, and, 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 and maybe it's just me. But I, I really, I, I, I think we could, I think we could really build on what we have. But you ain't even had nothing yet. Like one night stand. She just can't give it up. She just, she can't. Is your phone working? I was, I, I got to think. I'm sorry to leave another message, but then I got to thinking. What if, what if you lost your phone? What if maybe you really wanted to call me and and you lost your phone and 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 you can't. Where are you at? I'm here. Uh, this is Nikki. <laughs> Call me sometime, please. Meanwhile, the American people out on date with Donald Trump, you know, the, the Republican voters, they've been seen all over damn town with Donald Trump for better or for worse. It doesn't matter. It's all show. That's why you can laugh at it. See, the people can't find any of this funny. Or people are still trying to hold on to the idea that we're going to fix it. You know, that this is all serious somehow. See, when you realize how unserious all of it is, then you can just find it funny. The Republican voters are seen all over town. They riding around in a Cadillac coupe with the top down. Donald Trump. The Republican voters riding around. Donald Trump wrapped around under their arm. Seen everybody. Donald Trump got the ring on. Nikki can't give it up. Oh, he may be, yeah, he may be with Donald Trump. He, he, he may be, yeah, yeah. But you know what? I think he's really thinking about me. I, I think the voters are really thinking about me. <laughs> I saw her, she was making, she was talking to some media person because that's who, the only people who will talk to her. No one else gives a shit. And she was talking to some media person. She says, this is all about Donald Trump trying to stay out of jail. She said, this is all about Donald Trump trying to stay out of prison. That's the only reason he's running. You'd see again, it's like that spurned woman. She doesn't really love you, by the way. This is Nikki again. Hello. I'm leaving this message to know she doesn't really love you. She's using everybody knows. That bitch. <laughs> she says, this is about Donald Trump. He's just trying to stay out of prison. He's just trying to get out. He's trying to run for president because if he can get president, he thinks he can get out of these charges. Stay out of jail. It's like, that's funny, Nikki. That's cool. Now do Netanyahu. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's that that is literally what Netanyahu's doing. Now, now talk about Netanyahu. Funny. I don't think that's going to happen. Seriously. I mean, like Netanyahu, it, like the minute he's not running the country anymore, the Israelis are going to throw his ass in prison. I mean, he kind of pretty much knows that. Like, he's not... People in America, they think he has all of this overwhelming popularity. And it was like, what? Last year at this time, there were massive protests against this guy in the streets. She's not going to mention Netanyahu, or she likes to call him Benny. She's not going to mention old Benny. You know, it's like... Our society is, you know, the female. It's like predominantly female centric. And I'm not. I'm, I'm just saying. You know, you can like make these analogies, and it's funny. You know, like if Nikki Haley, if Nikki Haley was the pump and dump who's stalking you now and won't leave you alone, Hillary Clinton is the vengeful ex-wife who will stop at nothing to make your life hell. You know, she was supposed to be president. She was supposed to be president. She was going to be president, 
back when Obama got in there. And then she got told, no, no, you have to wait your turn, which pissed her off. But she, she sucked it up. She sucked it up and played the side mistress for eight years as Secretary of State. But then she was promised it was her turn. And that damn Donald Trump came along. That damn Donald Trump came along. Stole her time away. Now this old bag is over the hill. Bitter. Yeah, Hillary Clinton, if Nikki Haley was the one-night stand that now is stalking you, Hillary Clinton is the vengeful ex-wife who is never going to let it go. <laughs> You've been divorced from this bitch for 20 years. And she's still like keying your car. She still like randomly gets drunk, cruise by your house and slashes the tire on your car, leaves you a note. Like you, you get up in the morning and you're like, what the hell? There's a note on my windshield. You go out there and just, I want you to know. I still hate you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> a vengeful, horrible ex-wife that won't leave you alone. Like, to her grave. She's going to hate you to her grave. She's going to spend her whole time getting back at you. Could you imagine if somehow she did get in the presidency? Like, she would spend her entire tenure getting back at the American people. Which I don't know how it would be really any different from what we have now. But she would spend her entire time like doing these petty things, like to get back at people. You know, I just think of the petty thing. You know, like a bitter ex-wife, she'll be petty. You know, you've seen these people and like they'll get so petty and, and trying to get back at somebody. I was saying Hillary Clinton as the ex-wife of the American people that hates them now and, and her being in office, you know, she should be like, you know, Having the uh, NSA research anybody who ever bought a Trump book or a MAGA sticker and making sure they get audited for their taxes or something. You know, just get back. Get petty. Get back at them. One thing about it, she, she's made so much money on all of her, uh, shall we say, nefarious business dealings. That at least she can't claim the American people owe her alimony because <laughs> she ain't never stopped getting paid since the 90s. Hell since the 80s. It's all manufactured. All of it's been manufactured for a long time. I was talking about how people get older, you know, you look back. It just wasn't as in your face then. But when you get, you know, things are so absurd now that you realize how things work. And then you're able to look back if you were able to do that. Many older people are not able to do that. And they look back and they get this nostalgic view of how the way things were. But when you really understand how things operate, you understand that has been crooked for a long time. You was just now I it's so in your face for whatever reason. I chalk it up a lot to the corruption and 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 whatnot has gotten to the point that you know you have very incompetent people running. And you know, you had more competent people running the corruption 30 plus years ago, and they were able to make it look, look less ridiculous. Now there's nobody competent enough to make it look even the most remote way convincing. You look at the Clintons. They come up out of nowhere. The governor of Arkansas and his wife just come up. Nobody even knew who this guy was. I was there. Nobody even knew who this guy was. He comes up. The governor of Arkansas. He is the new thing. Obama. You look at Obama. You know, talking about Hillary, the spurned uh, ex-wife, you know, the, the bitter ex-wife. She really wanted it when Obama got in there. You can just imagine some of the tirades that probably happened behind closed door because it was supposed to be her term. And like Obama was the same thing. They were grooming. I remember when this guy uh, first saw him because there was a State of the Union address and he gave the Democrat rebuttal. He gave the Democrat response. The junior senator from Illinois is giving the response. And it was pretty obvious like they were grooming this guy. He, he was supposed to get used to you. You were get used to him. I'm sorry. Get used to seeing this guy. He's the next rising star. It's all scripted. This guy come out, he had zero accomplishments. He's just suddenly he winds up in there. And then he winds up being president for two terms. It's all scripted. You look back and you realize it's always been scripted. It's just less absurd. There were more competent people doing the script writing. Now it's kind of like how Hollywood used to be, you know? I mean, we used to have these TV shows. You know, and sure, they're scripted, but I mean, you could watch them. They were watchable TV shows. 
Now all the TV shows are the same because they don't have any competent script writers anymore. Ain't anybody left there that knows how to write a story. All the TV shows are exactly the same plot over and over again. I laugh looking back at these things. This is just random tangents I go off. But I laugh. I look back at the things and, you know, we used to have, you know, TV shows and stuff that made fun of the cops. You know, like the Dukes of Hazard. The cops were these goofy, corrupt, you know, idiots. And now, like every single TV show, the cops are like heroic saviors, <laughs> heroic diversity, protectors of our democracy, FBI, FBI International, FBI. The great, super competent protectors of our diversity, democracy, world order of who we are. Every single one. There's no shows where the cops are bumbling idiots. It's the same story. No interesting, no interesting lines, no interesting you know, storytelling because there's no competent scriptwriters anymore, no competent storytellers anymore. It's the same thing in politics. You should have more competent people scripting these things so it gave the appearance there was actually a race. You know, they were competent enough that like when they had the presidential election, we knew the results that day, that night. You stayed up, you'd know who won. Now you wait in like six weeks, they still won't tell you who the president is. <laughs> they can't get it together. Definitely a lack of competency. Anyway, I don't want you to think we have a lack of competency here at the Parish of the Patriots. So we're going to go ahead, get into the Christian-specific segment. Let's just keep rolling. You know what to do. Get in there, fill those pews. Let's get into this week's sermon here at the Parish of the Patriots. As we go through our Christian-specific segment this week, we may get into several different topics. It depends on how long I take on on what I the main thing I thought uh, we would discuss today. We may just do uh, the main topic discussion. We'll just see how it goes. I, I do this completely by the seat of my pants. It's completely unscripted beyond the fact that as I go through the prior week uh, of doing the show, you know, points that I think of, I wind up thinking about or or. or studying or or whatnot I, I jot those down so that i can share them with you so but beyond that it's totally unscripted as you can probably well tell by um the somewhat haphazard manner in which the show goes at time i thought we would talk in our christian specific segment i want to talk i thought we'd talk this week about why i believe the calvinists uh, are completely wrong now i want to make clear i'm using the term very loosely and very broadly uh, but much of what the MCC and what modern uh, Protestantism uh, abides by is a form, you know, various forms of Calvinism. And and I thought we'd discuss, you know, think about this week of why I think, you know, there are just fundamental errors in, uh, in, in, in that line of thought, in that philosophy, in that belief system. Now, one of the things... Uh, that's I believe centered from this is this idea that people, one of the Calvinist ideas, one of the primary ones that I disagree with, and I think they completely missed the point uh, in this. And one of the uh, tenets of Calvinism is basically that everybody is preordained. I mean, they, yes, people are saved through Jesus Christ, but from the time a person is born, that person is preordained from birth that that person is going to be saved. And this person is preordained at birth that they are going to face damnation. They are not going to be saved. And everybody, basically, their lot in life is decided. As is many times the case, I believe this error comes about in a misunderstanding of the temporal versus the eternal. Something y'all probably tired of me talking, probably tired of me droning on and on about. But so I believe so many of the fundamental errors that we see in the MCC and such is because they misunderstand that. And I think this is a misunderstanding of Calvinism. And again, I'm using the term broadly. We're getting into a lot of different aspects of MCC stuff, which may not necessarily be directly linked to Calvinism. But I think they do share a, a, a commonality, a common thread. Now, to start with this idea that a person is simply preordained, when you're born, God has already preordained that this person is going to come to Jesus Christ when he's 25 years old and he's going to be saved and he's going to go to heaven. This person over here, he's preordained that he's just going to go to hell. 
this fail and a lot of these before I say that a lot of these beliefs I think uh, that I find fault with if you get down to them if you bear down to them it's an attempt to absolve oneself of personal responsibility of responsibility for your own decision now as you look at this idea of, oh, well, somebody is preordained, you see, the misunderstanding between the temporal and the eternal is simply this. There is a difference between God knowing what you're going to do because he exists outside of time and God preordaining it. Because God exists outside of time, yes, when this person is born, God knows because, again, time doesn't mean anything to him. We're in this glass aquarium of time, and he exists outside of that. He can watch the whole thing going on. He knows where you're going to wind up, and accordingly, he uh, he, he sets his plans around such things. And if his plans involve this person, he knows that when this part of his plan comes into action, this person is going to wind up being there. And it's easy to see, knowing this, where people get this confusion and think, well, God has preordained that that person is going to wind. No, he has not. But because he exists outside of time, he knows that person at this day, on this in this year, at this stage of their life, will wind up there. But he doesn't preordain it, because to preordain it implies that free will is not in, involved. I believe that when it comes to this world that God has set up, that there are certain rules, and by these rules, God will not interfere with a man. God will never take away your free will while you're alive on this earth. Likewise, Satan cannot take away your free will either. You always have to make a choice, and that is an overriding rule in the way this world functions. You have free will. People will try to deny their free will. People will try to justify their sin by pretending free will had nothing to do with it. Well, I was drug off. I I was tempted and I was drug off into sin and I didn't mean to. And, and you may have been tempted and you may have been very weak and you may have made a poor choice, but you still made a choice. We always have free will. This idea that someone is preordained implies they don't have a free will. God has already set everything in motion and they're just following the script. And that's not the case. I find the idea of free will to be empowering, to know that you have the power. Now, this relates to another thread of this, which is this idea. And I have IRL whenever I wind up in IRL religious discussions. A lot of times I, I will wind up talking about this. You have this idea, and again, it, it not necessarily 100% directly related to Calvinism, but it is, you, you could trace it to it, I believe. And there's this idea in, in, in Protestant states, particularly uh, the evangelical types and whatnot. People have this notion that God is micromanaging their life. You know, I mean, everything that happens in their life, well, it's God's will. Well, that's it's God's will. God's will. I stubbed my toe today, Jesus. Why did you have me stub my toe? Oh, Lord, you know, help, help me to get a raise at work or whatnot. God is not micromanaging your life. I, 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 I will tell people this, you know, God is not micromanaging your life. It's up to you. I mean, your life is... I, I always say when I run into somebody who's dissatisfied with their life, I'll say, you know, your life, where you're at right now, for every one of us, myself included, wherever you're at right now in your life, whether you're happy with it, unhappy with it, whatnot, it is basically, is the, it is the totality, it is the, the summation, the average. You know, if you add up a bunch of different numbers and then divide it by however many numbers you have, you wind up with an average your life, wherever it is right now, is basically the average, the result of the average of the decisions you have made. I mean, that's that's it. And people say, well, I don't know why God had me wind up being with such a shitty life. Well, he didn't. This is the result of the decisions that you have made. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying God is 100% disinterested in you. 
but he's not micromanaging your life either. You you have responsibility. We tend to have a we 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 wind up with this tendency to want to shirk responsibility, and that way it's not our fault. If our life sucks, it's somebody else's fault. It's God's fault. It's the world's fault. While there are other people making decisions, everybody else has free will as well, and their decisions sometimes will impact you, sometimes in the positive, sometimes in the negative. And I will often say those are the things you have to regard as being in God's hands, because that is just to say you only have control over yourself. When other people make decisions that negatively negatively impact you, you don't get twisted up over it. You don't have control over the decisions they make. So you just say, well, that's in God's hands. Again, it doesn't necessarily mean God is micromanaging them and he's causing this to happen to you for a reason. It's just just, just to openly admit that that is in God's hands because I can't control it. So I just have to leave it to him and keep on, keep on making the best decisions I can make. Does that make sense? Now to get back on point, God has a plan. Now, there's certain parts of God's plan that do apply to your life. You know, I mean, God's plan obviously is for us to work through, to grow in him, to spiritually mature, uh, to get closer to him and the understanding of him. I'll spit it out in a minute through his son, Jesus Christ. That is an overarching plan. Then you get into God's plans for certain things to happen in this world where certain people do certain things. When you get into those like specific plans of God, the vast majority of us actually aren't going to play a role in that. You know, you look at you read your New Testament and you see how God was working his plan, establishing the church through the apostles And they played very specific roles. You can say, well, that was God's plan. You look at Peter's entire ordeal he went through from the time he he was walking with Jesus till after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection and his repentance of the denial and on. He had to go through this entire process because God had a specific plan, a specific thing for Peter and nobody else to do. But it didn't affect anybody else. It didn't directly affect the other disciples, although they, too, had a role to play. Now, you look at the swarms of people who show up to see someone get healed. You know, I mean, besides from being in the peanut gallery, they didn't have a real specific role to play in, quote, unquote, God's plan. Now, because God exists outside of time, in the case of somebody who has to who he is doing something specific with and they've got to be at a certain place at a certain time because he exists outside of time he can look at the totality of the decisions everybody is making and that person will wind up in that place in that time where they're supposed to be but it's not because god preordained a path for him he just saw what they're going to do because again he sees outside he exists outside of time so he knows but it doesn't mean that the people involved are not still responsible it doesn't mean that they don't still have free will and i think that's an important distinction to make instead of just throw your hands up and say well it's all preordained by god i'm just carrying out my role you're either preordained to be saved or you're preordained to be condemned and going to hell I think it dismisses, it takes away the idea, it takes away from the idea of free will. Now, we know that there's instances, we're told of instances uh, in the Bible when God does directly intervene. Uh, so, well, when does, and I think a really good example of this, if you look in the book of Acts and you look at the, um, you look at what happened when Peter wound up, um, he was in he was in prison to be executed, and he made this miraculous prison escape. This is an excellent example of why and how and when God will directly and that he can will, uh, directly intervene. Peter's thrown in prison. Herod has said in his heart he's going to have him executed. And, the, and, the, and, and an angel of the Lord appears and breaks him, and God breaks him out of prison. Why would he directly interfere right there in that moment? Well, when you understand that one of the fundamental rules 
of this world that God has created is that God does not interfere with people's free will. So God has this plan. He said he, Peter is to establish, you know, Peter is the rock of Jesus' church, the rock of the church. Peter was a rock, the one who's going to be the, one of the chief uh, means by which the Lord establishes his church. This is God's plan. He has a plan specifically for Peter. Now, in this moment in time, when Peter's in prison, set to be executed, all things considered, everybody using their free will left to their own devices to make their free will decisions. Remember, God will not interfere with people's free will. He will not take their free will away from them. They're always free to make their own decisions. It's an absolute. Everybody left to their own decisions. Peter was going to be executed. There was no way around that. There was no way. Everybody left to their own decisions. Everybody's exercising their own free will. And there was, it's a dead end. It's a dead end on this timeline. On this timeline, Peter winds up at this moment in the prison and he is going to be executed. There is no, it's a dead end timeline as far as Peter is concerned. Everybody left to their own free will, making their own decision. Everybody involved, every government official, every Jew, Peter will be executed. There is no other way around it. And God will not interfere with anyone's free will. So what does God do? God's plan isn't going on the back burner. God has a plan for Peter, and that is not going to be thwarted. So an angel of the Lord shows up. A rather cantankerous. <laughs> an angel of the Lord, and I don't know that this is true, but when you read it, especially in the King James Version, not in, in, in any of the other modern translations, but when you read it in the King James Version, I always get this impression that the angel of the Lord that's sent to rescue Peter does not want to be there. He, he makes you think of somebody who, who comes into work on a Monday morning and really hates his job or something. You know, it's like he kicks him. Wake up. Come on. You know, it's like, hurry up. It's like, it doesn't really. It, it seems like he doesn't. Want, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know that. But that's the impression you get when you read the King James uh, version of the story. The point here is this is when God intervenes because he will not interrupt with someone's free will. His plans for Peter to do these things. But everyone left to their free will, Peter's going to be executed. That goes against, that means it would thwart God's plan, which isn't going to happen. So God intervenes. The angel delivers Peter out of the prison, breaks him out of prison. So he removes that timeline. Everybody making their decisions, Peter's going to be executed. So God has no choice here but to directly intervene. Sends an angel, removes Peter out of the prison. Peter escapes. God's plan moves forward. But nowhere in here does he take anybody's free will away. If everybody is just simply preordained according to God's will to take whatever actions that God has scripted for them, then there's no reason for the angel to have to intervene. He'd just have everybody prescripted where Peter would never wind up in the prison in the first place. He directly intervenes because he's not going to take people's free will, and everybody making their free will decision who's involved in this is going to mean Peter is going to be executed. This is an excellent, excellent example of where God directly will directly intervene when it comes to his plan. But again, it was a very specific plan plan that he had for this one person, for Peter, not for everybody else. Again, there's an overarching plan. God has an intention for us, how we're supposed to live our lives. Yes, that's part of the broader plan, but God does have specific plans for individual people. And if it comes down to it, yes, he can and will directly intervene if that is necessary for his plan to move forward. He simply changed the timeline in the sense that he just removed Peter out of prison and sent him on. And thus, without interfering with anybody's free will, he now moves forward with his plan. I'm sorry, but it's very highly unlikely that God is going to directly intervene because it's part of his plan that you get a new car. You can chuckle, but you, you know what I'm saying, and you know the examples of this. The idea of having our free will, that this is an absolute when it comes to the Lord. It's empowering 
I, I find it's, it's a little frightening and intimidating at first, especially if you were raised up with some of these teachings. It can be frightening at first because it puts responsibility on you. But when you really think about it, it's empowering. It means that, that, that Satan, it means that sin does not have some sort of spiritual and mythical power over you and can just simply force you to do something that you know you shouldn't do. Ultimately, it is always your decision. I, I will talk, you know, I, I find one of the things that's interesting is people in sin, people in their wickedness can actually in some ways be worse than the devil. They can. People can be worse than Satan. You can, When you understand these rules of how the world operates, you can see things that are of the devil, and you can discern between the things that the devil has a hand in that are part of Satan's workings, and the things that are just simply a part of men's wickedness. They're just That's just how bad people can be. It's breathtaking how awful people can be. People will do things to other people. That isn't anything to do with Satan. You'd be like, oh my gosh. Oh Lord, look at the way the devil's doing these horrible things in the world. I got bad news. That's just how shitty people can be. That is just how awful man can be. It'd be very disheartening. I always say a, a, a good example of this. A working of Satan that you can recognize Satan things, things to, and again, I'm not saying the devil himself is showing up and manipulating and working in your life, but things that are of the devil, things that are satanic in, in, in nature will always involve you choosing. Always remember, it doesn't benefit the devil if he can't accuse you. It's always his goal. He wants to stand before God and point at you to put it in kind of a an elementary way to look at it. He wants to stand before God. If you if you've read the book of Job, you can you can kind of put this into an idea of context here. He wants to stand before God and point at you and say, "Look what that person chose to do. You created these things in your own image supposedly. Now look how they're defiling your image. Because when you sin against yourself, you're defiling God's image. You know, it's in the New Testament, it's described as your body being a temple of the Lord is to say that you yourself are made in God's image. And when you sin, you're doing that to God's temple. And what they mean by God's temple is not that you know, you are a magical, you know, structure is to say that you were created. It goes back to the Old Testament. You are created in God's image. That's why you're God's quote unquote temple. You were created in the image of God. And when you sin, that's what you're doing. That is how you're defiling God's temple. Not so much as a temple, but the fact that you were created in his image. Does that make sense? Now, Satan always wants to stand there and to say, look what they did. That's how you can recognize things that are basically spiritual in nature in the sense that they're they're satanic in nature when people have a choice he always wants to stand before the lord and say look what this person has done look what they've done that's the whole point if he can't do that then it's nothing to do with satan that's just people being really wicked and really really evil by their own nature which in a way is more frightening than the idea of something being satanic. You know, people always talk about satanic things and it's supposed to be really scary. Oh my gosh, it's, it's what's in a lot of ways more frightening than things that are satanic in nature is how depraved and wicked and evil men, men themselves can be. When you are going through trial a turmoil in life or a conflict in life at times you will go through some of these things and if you know to look for it you will hit a point and someone asks you to choose you see incidences as an example you'll see people who become who get attacked for speaking the truth uh, on, on the internet they get attacked they get demonized for speaking the truth. And you look for 
the choice, the decision to be handed to them. Well, you know, do you know, and 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 when people run around and then apologize for the truth, for speaking the truth, you know that they were handed the decision and they made that decision. You see what I'm saying? They were making you look for the decision. You look for the choice. Satan's always going to give you a choice. He he has to have you make the choice. I've used this illustration before, but it, it, it's just a really good illustration. It helps people understand. I think I, I think it's a good way to understand the difference of these things. If you are a grown ass man and you choose to commit sodomy with other men, you're a sodomite. You're choosing to do that. You are choosing that behavior. You may feel driven to it. You may feel you have no choice about it you may, and all that. But you, at the end of the day, you are acting on those desires and you are making that choice. And the devil will stand there and point and say, look what they're doing. They're created in your image and they're having things shoved up their ass. This is what they're doing with your image. He can stand there and point and accuse you. Now, five or six guys jump on you and beat the shit out of you till you can't move, pin you down, and anally rape you. You're not a sodomite. You're not. That was just done to you. And that is an example of how evil people can be because Satan don't have a hand in that. Satan don't, you may be, why did the devil have that happen to you? The devil didn't have nothing to do with it. There's nothing to do with him because he can't accuse you. He can't stand before God and say, look at that sodomite, because he knows that doesn't make any sense. That was just done to you. And this is very helpful for people who've been molested as children or as young boys. They don't understand. They need to accept that that was done to you, that didn't have anything to do, you know, you didn't have a choice. If you were a child and an adult did something to you, you didn't really have a choice. Now, they might lie to you and, 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 and slick-talking you as a child to make you think you do, but at the end of the day, what are you going to tell your child? You're going to tell an adult, no, I'm not going to do that. They can just force you, and you know that. You didn't have a choice. You were a kid. You were manipulated. You were abused. However, if you grown ass, now y'all grown up now, now you are making decisions. And back on track. This idea that God micromanages everything in your life. And again, this is really prevalent in the evangelical sex. Uh, among evangelicals, you'll find a mindset. I mean, literally, I made kind of a joke about it earlier. But I mean, there is among some of these people like this mindset that literally every single thing that happens in their life is a part of God's plan instead of their own decision making or the decisions other people make that affect you. Uh, and I can understand where there's a certain amount of comfort to be found in this when when tragedy, you know, when tragedy happens. You try to comfort yourself with this is the Lord's will. What is the Lord's will? Well, in the Lord's prayers, we're illustrated and it says God's will be done. On you know, I mean, God's overall arching plan will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But you know, if something tragic happens and your child drowns in a swimming pool, it doesn't probably have anything to do with God's overarching plan for the world. I mean, it just doesn't. One can try to find comfort in saying, "Well, it's the Lord's will." that my child drowned in a swimming pool, but maybe someone made the decision to leave the gate open or, 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 or whatever. In other words, that's just life. It's sad. It's tragic, but some things are simply, I mean, it's just life. That is life. These sorts of things happen. It's not part of God's overarching plan. I mean, it could be, but probably it's not. But people will cling to these things. And you will see, for instance, in 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 this uh, the prosperity preaching, you know, everything you just give money to the preacher, God's gonna pay you back tenfold. Once again, a misinterpretation of what it says about tithing and whatnot in the old testament, as if God is a money changer. They turn tithing into God as a money changer because they don't understand. 
They, whether intentionally or not, they misinterpret what is being said and they turn around and say, see, it says it right here. If you give me and my mega church 10% of your income, that's a good deal for you because God's going to bless you 10, a hundred fold of what you gave. You're investing for the future. You're going to get all of this money because you gave money to me. And if you don't get the money, it's God's fault. It ain't mine because God's in charge of that. I might shill for y'all to put something in the plate once in a while, but I'm never going to tell you that you're going to get rich. You're going to get a hundred times what you put in the plate back. That's silly. It's ridiculous. You want to take great care in the decisions you make. You don't be haphazard about it. You want to make wise decisions. This is why over and over, and in, in especially the Old Testament, you know, you're warned, you know, you're told about, you know, the value of wisdom and understanding. What would be the value of wisdom and understanding if you're just simply walking through life on autopilot following whatever script God has pre-laid out for you? What's the value? What's the need for wisdom and understanding? When the Old Testament, when we're told over and over about the value of wisdom and understanding, it shows us you know, that we are making our own. We're not following some preordained script, as it were, for our life. You have, otherwise, what's the point of wisdom and understanding? You have wisdom and understanding, so you make better decisions. You can share your wisdom so when other people need to make decisions, they can come to you and say, hey, I've got a decision I need to make. You know, what, what do you think I ought to do? And when you can give them advice, you can share some wisdom and some insights to help them. But again, ultimately, the decision belongs to that person. To act as though to, to proclaim that one's life is simply prescripted by God and you're just going to follow the script that God preordained for you. If that's the case, then wisdom and understanding, what role would wisdom and understanding play in it? There would be no need for it. Wisdom and understanding is a valuable treasure, as we're told in the Bible, because these things will help you to make better decisions, to wind up in a better place in life, and to ultimately make decisions that will be related to God's overall plan, both for your life, that we all have for our lives, and its specific plans, if you happen to be a part of that, and make better decisions, and wind up into a better place. But all of that goes out the window if your life is simply a script that you're running out, a script that you're going out, you're just following the script that God set up for you before you were even born. Anyway, I realize I may have wore the subject out longer than it needed to be, but I do think it's important to understand this difference. There is a difference between God being outside of time and knowing that you know, on this day of this year, of this month, of this second of your life, you're going to be at this point where you need to be or whatnot versus, well, God is just manipulating you to be there. He preordained you to be there. He knows you're going to be there. It's not you following, uh, you following some sort of script. We're going to wrap up on that note again. I thank you for joining us today. I, I, I hope you got something out of the show. I hope you got something out of the Christian specific message of the main point um, I do appreciate you being here. Hope you'll get a chance to check out everything else we've got up here on Radio Albion Monday through Friday. And I hope to see you here next week for the Parish of the Patriots. <laughs>